What's up? What's up? Welcome back to the Wrestle Through Podcast. It's me, Austin Prince, here with you again. And today we're going to talk about something that I think is really interesting to have conversation about. But what's even more interesting is to hear leaders from a pulpit or or pastors explain that there should be a disconnect between the New Testament and the Old Testament as if we should unhinge or treat them as two separate documents. This is about to be fun. I'm not pulling punches. Let's get it. Have you ever found yourself listening to worship songs and having questions about the lyrics being used? Or even seeing something from a stage or a pulpit that makes you scratch your head and question the motives? Or what about just reading scripture and trying to work it into your life practically. Well, to be honest, you're not alone. So many Christians are questioning things that they see in the church that don't necessarily line up with scripture and even having trouble applying biblical principles to their life. And this presents a huge problem. How can we wrestle through these things and grow our faith? And how can we know what scripture really says? Well, join me, Austin Prince, each week as we discuss these things and find biblical principles that we can wrestle through. What's up, y'all? And welcome back once again to the Wrestle Through podcast again. This episode is going to be fun for me. I think it's an interesting topic and it's becoming more and more prevalent as time goes on. And as we kind of like race off into relativity and things like that in the church, we see this this urge or this desire to disconnect the Old Testament from the New Testament, to almost treat it as if there was a change that then led to Jesus, which is so crazy. A lot of prominent teachers today believe that, or at least prominent in the American culture, hold to that. They hold to Old Testament being a depiction of God. There's a change of heart, and then there's a new depiction. And for me, this is something completely wild to even speculate. However, I I think it's prominent for us to kind of address, like, where is the line as believers? What can we wrestle with when we hear something like that and be reassured that A, we're not being misled and B, that we have a clear understanding of who God is. So this episode is really, we're we're just going to dive into that. What does scripture have to say? Does God really change? Should there be a disconnect between the New Testament and the Old Testament? And did God have a change of heart? This might be a longer episode, or I might break it up into a couple, uh, but I really want to look at that in particular, is is where do we draw the line between what's acceptable and what's not according to Scripture? And I think the best place to start out, and it's the only place to start out as you begin to have a conversation such as this, is in 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Here's verse 17, that the man of God may be completely equipped for every good work. That's it. So the the basis of what we're discussing is for reproof, for correction, and for teaching so that we may be equipped for every good work. And I really want to address one of the main fallacies in this particular thought process of a disconnect between God 
in the Old Testament and the New Testament, meaning that we need to kind of separate and space out these books together, is the idea that God changes. That in itself is contrary to Scripture. We could easily start at Hebrews 13.8, and it reads, I'll read the, the ESV version. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I know what somebody's thinking right now. They're listening to this, and they're like, hold up. You just said God doesn't change, but now you're talking about Jesus. Of course, we're talking about a triune God, three separate persons making up the wholeness of God. So in the beginning, remember John 1.1, in the beginning, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, referring to Jesus being the embodiment. So if Jesus a part of the triune God, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means God, the Godhead, is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that the Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, and today, and forever. Bottom line. So many people want to jump into the speculation that Jesus changed God's heart in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And if that were the case, so please bear with me, if that were the case, if God did have a change of heart, then there wouldn't have been any prophecies about Jesus until God changed his heart. So it's either A, God changed his heart and then planned to do it, or B, God had already planned this before, that God had planned to be himself and to be the redemptive force, the sole redemptive force in our salvation before we even could think about Christ. If God changed his mind randomly, then there wouldn't be any cohesive structure within Scripture. We wouldn't be able to see the cohesiveness between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I know somebody's probably like, oh, what are you talking about? You hear about grace and love and mercy in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. You just hear about a whole bunch of bad stuff, craziness, slaughter, blah, blah, blah. All right, let's, let's dig into this ideal that there are two separate gods, one mean, nasty, one super nice. Let's let's dig into this. Time and time and time again in the New Testament, you see God say love and mercy, absolutely. But if you even begin to start to read the book of Romans, you see that pretty much of the first seven chapters are about God's wrath and God's judgment because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Meaning his judgment that was in the Old Testament, which he judged the earth by, he still judges the earth by. That didn't change. His love, his mercy, and grace didn't change either. If you look in the Old Testament, over and over again, God chooses to redeem and save Israel. And you can, you read Jeremiah, you even read, you can even read Exodus, and you can see that the people of Israel are wacky. They're so much like us. They, they grab onto an experience, they set an expectation, and when it doesn't meet their expectation, they go and they make idols. That's us. That's so much us in the Western culture, even in the Eastern culture. When we don't feel that God operates in the way that he should, we quickly idolize something. We quickly try to fill that spot. So if God showed grace and mercy, in redemption, because he did redeem Israel. He redeemed Israel from Pharaoh. He redeemed Israel from captivity. If God redeemed Israel in the Old Testament, and he showed grace, and he showed mercy, then he also showed his judgment. And then in the New Testament, he shows his grace, his mercy, his redemption, 
and his judgment and wrath the same? Why is it so prominent and so popular for us in the American church, us in the Western culture, to say that there's a separation between these two books? There's a separation between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And, and the kicker for me is, is that as the apostles and as the writers of the New Testament were being influenced by the Holy Spirit, they were using what we would refer to as the Old Testament. That was their scripture. To them, they didn't understand that this was going to be something that we would pass down for generations and generations for 2,000 years. They had no clue that these letters were going to be used by God in a mighty way. They were trying to remind each other, remind these different churches what and who and why God does what he does and who Jesus is. God saw fit to influence them through the Holy Spirit to write such profound writings that he would choose to have these books bound together in one particular document and give it to his church so that they may learn and they may learn more about his attributes and his character. If we didn't need the Old Testament, if it was not important, then God in his foreknowledge, so the foreknowledge of God, knowing everything in the past, knowing everything in the future, and being outside of time, God in his foreknowledge would have not seen fit for us to have an Old Testament. That's just the facts. If it was not important, if we should unhinge them and not treat them as one document, why did God see fit for them to be bound as one document? And it's not by mistake. It's not by chance. It's not by scholarly information. It's by the influence of the triune God that these books are bound together as one. And that that frustrates me as a believer and even as a, as a pastor now, that frustrates me to hear people in positions of authority or even in a congregation hold to such lax and unbasable ideals. There's no foundation in Scripture for that particular idea. And that does sound harsh, absolutely. I think the reality is that when it comes to God's Word, when it comes to the holiness of God, He is big enough to defend Himself. But when I think about adoption, when I think about being an adopted son of the High King, it frustrates me when people dishonor or talk crap or don't understand my pops. Just like my earthly father, if he was giving somebody information or if he was trying to help people, he's a, he's a nurse practitioner now, so let's say he had a patient and he was telling this patient, hey, you're diagnosed with this, you should do this, 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 here's the medication, and they go talk to somebody who has no authority outside of themselves, who's not in that same position, who doesn't hold true to the same knowledge and say, no, nah, you, you, you shouldn't, you don't have to worry about that, you should do this instead. All those medications, they're not important. You should just skip those and do this. That'd frustrate me because that just makes that would harm that person that's being manipulated. That would harm that person physically. And what we do when we allow people to speak and say that the Old Testament and the New Testament need to be unhinged or separated or treated as two separate documents, that frustrates me because that is causing harm to somebody's spirit. It's causing harm to somebody's soul. And that's the reality. Yeah, that might sound mean and nasty, whatever. But the truth of the matter is, is that if we don't 
shepherd people so well, they'll just have trauma after trauma after trauma. We're called to love and be the hands of feet. And loving is truth. To love is to give truth. To not love is to give falsehood. And I think it's important that we understand that. And and this runs into another thing. We we always say, at least me and Tom make jokes about, hey, sometimes sometimes the sheep bite. Sometimes they get upset with what you say. And that's okay too. So I know there's somebody out there like, oh man, I don't agree with Austin, what he's saying. I think they're too separate. That's okay. I would encourage you and I would challenge you to dig into scripture and who God says he is, not what a man from a stage or a female from a stage would say about this topic. What does God's word reveal in himself? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter necessarily what you think is right. What matters is scripture. We have to hold fast to the infallibility and the inherency of scripture, meaning that it can never be wrong and it is supreme in everything that we do as a believer. We have to hold fast to scripture alone, not interpretation from someone who thinks that they're explaining scripture, but understanding scripture. And and I know somebody is probably thinking, well, I have a hard time reading the Bible. I have a hard time understanding where and how these things fit with my life. And I would challenge you. There are a couple things that you can do. Number one, Charles Spurgeon said all the time to his congregation, pray that the scriptures would be illuminated to you. means that pray that God would bring light to his scriptures so you would have understanding. That's number one. That should be your prayer every time you open up the Bible, is that God would illuminate his word and penetrate your heart. Number two, community. If you're not in some type of group Bible study, now granted, Bible study may be incorrect because we'll we'll get into parachurch organizations later, but if you're in some type of small group or friend group, heck, you can call it a friend group, apply what scripture says, challenge one another. Because if you're reading 2 Timothy 3.16, and you're saying, oh, well, I think when Paul is saying all scripture is God-breathed, he's just saying that, you know, God breathed into man, and then whatever man does, God is doing through man. If you say that to somebody, and they're in the word as well, they'll quickly be like, nah, you whack, you're completely wrong. That means that scripture, the things that we have, the literature, the text, everything from cover to cover is breathed out by God for us to grow closer to him, to correct one another, and to be more sound in doctrine. That's it. And I I know what people gravitate towards is that when we begin to say God doesn't change his mind and God hasn't changed of heart and that there's no two separate personalities of God, they get worried. They get worried that maybe they don't understand God really. They might understand what they have built in their mind, what God should be and what he should look like, but they don't have an understanding of who God is. And again, that's the beauty of Scripture. All of the attributes of God are revealed in Scripture. There's not a guy out there with some special telephone to heaven saying, oh, you want people to see this attribute in you? Okay, well, I'll go write a new book about it. Everything in God's character, everything that he is, is revealed within the beauty and the wholeness and the supremacy of Scripture. Don't be fooled by this disconnection mentality. Don't be led astray by people 
who don't understand the purpose of Scripture. Hold fast. Lean on not your understanding, not someone's interpretation, but lean on Scripture alone, through Christ alone, who has given us grace and faith. Because at the end of the day, every time you open up your Bible, every time you begin to read God's Word, every time that you dig into Scripture, God is glorified through that. And God begins to work in His children as they glorify Him. It's a process of sanctification. It's the process of becoming more Christ-like. Don't be manipulated and fooled into believing a God of split personalities, a God of disorder, or a God who can't make up his mind. Even more so, think about salvation. Think about the nation of Israel that even that at that moment when, when God found Abraham, and I'm, I'm going to lay it down thick, we'll talk about it later, but God chose Abraham. God chose the nation of Israel to be through Abraham. God chose David. God chose to use Daniel, Jeremiah, Isaiah. We serve a God who chooses to use us, not has to use us, but chooses to use us. And we serve a God who chooses to give us salvation through Christ Jesus. Everything that we do is reliant upon him alone. We only respond to who he is in Scripture and respond to who he is when he reveals himself to us. Don't be fooled. Get a little sheepdog mentality in you. When you understand that sometimes you got to buck up when it comes to standing on God's word and being firm in the foundation that he's given us, you get a little sheepdog mentality is what I call it. So lean into that. If you're not sure, lean into God's word. Learn from people who lean on God's word. Not lean on interpretation or fancy footwork or charisma. Lean on people who have spent their entire life devoted to Scripture, who know more than me or you or probably a thousand other people put together. Learn from people who lean on Scripture alone. That's the beauty of what we do, is that we get to rest in God, and we know that good teachers are a gift to the church, so we should utilize them, because if we don't, we're not using the gifts of God properly. That's all I got today. That's the short episode. You'll hear some some coworkers in the background. Everybody's coming into the office right now. But if you like what's going on, subscribe, like the podcast, rate it, whatever you want to do. Let me know if there's a topic you know about. What, what have you seen in the church that you have questions about? Shoot me a direct message on Instagram, Facebook. Even do it through the Struggles We Grow From podcast page. We'll wrestle with it. We'll talk about it. We'll dig into what God has for us in his word because we know his word is good. All right, y'all. Peace.